Hello, everyone, and welcome to Starship Podcast Warlock. As always, my name is Drew. As always, my name is Jeff. And we are watching Blackadder. Yes, Blackadder. We're watching it in order. We are on season two, episode four tonight. And as I've said on previous episodes, uh, this is the start of where I don't really remember anything about season two, which I love, but somehow the, the episodes that I remembered things from, we've already seen. Now, it's possible that when we get started on this, I will go, oh, this one. Yeah, I remember how this goes. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I kind of hope it doesn't because in a way it's like watching it again for the first time. I, I think my guess is that for this one, you may not remember it as much as the other two. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. There's still lots of stuff I like in this episode, but I am curious to see um, how that plays off. Um, and uh, I, I will note that in terms of uh, the particular guest star here, um, I'll save it until afterwards if you do or don't recognize who he who he was. So um, oh, okay. we can talk about that afterwards. Interesting. Because I, I certainly didn't recognize him, and it was years later when I found out, and, and there was no way in hell I could have uh, I could have connected to him. And I could kind of hear it in the voice, but, it, well, we'll talk about why later on. Oh, um, uh, now I have to look for this. Um, but it's like well, in I season... Well, I mean, the, the guest star is a major character in it, so... Oh, I mean, well, all right. It's not like you'll miss the character. It's just a question <laughs> of, let me see if you can figure out who the actor is. Uh, it's like in season one when Jim Broadbent was in it. I did not recognize him at all. Yeah, that I'm stunned by. I'm absolutely stunned by that. This, this, I think, would go... I, I don't think this is an obvious an, an actor, uh, but uh, even so, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> all right. I'm looking forward to that. Um... So we're going to get into this episode shortly, and we're all going to watch it together, as we always do. Uh, but uh, first, our special topic for today, um, I figured since we are talking about uh, an era that is Shakespearean in nature, and since, uh, as Jeff pointed out before we started, uh, has had at least one episode that is full of Shakespearean tropes, namely Bells, uh, Jeff and I could talk a little bit about our experiences doing Shakespeare. To quote a, a very old meme, whoa, Shakespeare. <laughs> Doing Shakespeare. That's my... <laughs> Let's not go there. I, um, I need to write that book. Um, <laughs> all right. I think you just did. Uh, perhaps. Uh, so uh, the, the, thing that I, the first thing that comes to mind for me with Shakespeare is, is how late I got you know, mostly involved in it. I mean, obviously, we read various plays in high school, but when I got to college... Even though I was an English major, uh, I did not have to read a single word of Shakespeare to get my degree. Now, whether that is because I had done it in high school or because um, I just managed to orchestrate it that way, I'm not sure. But uh, you were supposed to take two major literary figures and uh, you could choose Chaucer or Shakespeare or I think Spencer. Oh, no, it was Milton. Uh, and, and most people, I think, chose one of those, but uh, I happened to be there at a time when there was a class on Faulkner offered and a class on Toni Morrison offered, and I took both of those instead, which is a really fascinating juxtaposition, I have to say. Uh, but but yeah, I never I never had to do anything at all with Shakespeare during the time I was there. And of course, you know, we've discussed before doing uh, the skinhead Hamlet. Uh, we also did the 15-minute the Hamlet. Uh, Which is really the 13-minute Hamlet followed by the two-minute Hamlet. I suppose that's true, yes. It's a little yeah. bit uh, 
misleading there. Um, but yeah, Which that was because the ending of that reminds me of uh, like a Python episode is what it, <laughs> when it runs on, falls their lines and uh, shouts their lines and falls down dead. Yeah, it, it feels like the end of a, a countdown game at comedy sports to me as well. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's actually a great uh, a great analogy. Yeah, you just skip directly to two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I really had not a lot of involvement. And then after that, of course, um, after college, I stopped doing theater for a while. I started doing improv. And even though. You know, we did some scenes that were Shakespearean. It, it took a while before we actually started improvising in Shakespeare, which in Shakespeare, um, which uh, was really fun. Uh, we had a show called Much Improv About Nothing. Uh, that was a lot of fun to do. But again, you know, I was sort of I was sort of doing this without a lot of formal Shakespeare education. Uh, I kind of just knew what I knew, and it wasn't until let's see, 2014, I want to say, when I finally got to do my very first Shakespeare production. Um, I auditioned for uh, Silicon Valley Shakespeare in uh, Silicon Valley, of course. And uh, I got a part in The Tempest. I played Sebastian. So that was like my very first time Despite all the theater and the English that I've done, uh, that was my very first time actually being in a Shakespeare production. How did that work for you, Jeff? That worked fine. I thought you were great. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, what was uh, your first, like, uh, I mean... Yeah, uh, well, all right. So in terms of my history, I mean, you know, I was I was the math CS major or whatever, and I was, I was fine. I always did a lot of reading, things like that, but I... I wasn't interested in Shakespeare at all as a kid, and you know I had to I, I had to suffer through it in uh, in school. You know we did mm-hmm. Caesar and Romeo and Juliet and stuff like that, and even saw a couple of productions. I remember listening to a record of Twelfth Night and thinking how tedious and, and boring and ossified it. it <laughs> uh, and I, I find that hysterical now. Um, but uh, I, I think it, it was just you know I wouldn't get it. You'd have to. I suspect part of it was learning to speak the language or understand it to some extent, which, you know, we certainly are. So it was maybe getting acclimated to it. But also, I, I do think that it was done, at least at that time, um, most of the productions were fairly, um, I use the word ossified, and I think that's that's appropriate. I think they breathe a lot more now. I think people have tried to find a lot more, um, a lot more, um, it, we talk about it being timeless, but it just felt like in some cases it was more being declaimed and less, right. and less uh, felt and experienced. I know what and, you mean, yeah. And, and plus, of course, that, you know, I think that the renaissance of, I, I guess you could thank Kenneth Branagh, but um, not just him, but, I mean, really, that there's kind of a renaissance of, of Shakespeare movies somewhere, you know, if you get into the... the oh, yeah. Or whatever. I mean, no, no offense to, say, Zeffirelli, who, I mean, um, uh, we watched the Romeo and Juliet in... Um, in high school, and I can tell you my interest in that had nothing to do with the text. Um, <laughs> so did we, so, and same. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, um, I, I'm I'm going to shake my head on the DiCaprio Claire Danes one. Um, I, I was in grad school, and um, we were cracking jokes at the at the movie theater. But but you know, I mean, Brano's uh, um, much ado. I could I could watch a million times, um, for example, and. Uh, Lord knows his um, Henry V. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about Brian Blessed before. Um, I mean, I would watch I think, that Romeo and Juliet again, frankly. The, I would, uh, I would the too. The DiCaprio Danes one, if only as oh, like the, a nostalgia piece. Well, there's bits like I love. Um, 
um, the Queen Mab speech in that was mm-hmm. uh, I thought was fantastic. Like there's bits of it that were good. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate some of what they were trying to do. I like the fact that they were trying to do the the Star Crest Lover Greek chorus as a TV broadcast. I mean, there were there were there were bits that were interesting. And there were bits that I think just didn't work. Um, yeah. I mean, this was. Know, the, the, this is also an early entry in the trend of like trying to make pop songs do something they just can't accomplish. Well, that's because it was Boz Lerman, and that's yeah. that was the biggest thing when when Doves Cry by Prince burst out during Rikisha's funeral, and like you know th- this is a bunch of drunk college students, so obviously not the best way, to do it, but everybody just cracked up at that point, and it was any any sort of pathos that they were going for was just gone. But you yeah. know, I I, f- I think he channeled that into doing Moulin Rouge, and that felt like that was a a more suitable place for it and i've still never seen that and i i do i do love uh boz lerman um uh strictly ballroom is yeah mm-hmm. such a brilliantly bloody especially the first half hour is such a brilliant brilliant movie um i barely remember uh, it but i remember really liking it yeah um well at any rate um back to shakespeare so yes. um so high school um drama club we 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 didn't do Shakespeare except like we had finished up. We, I think we did the odd couple senior years when it was, uh, and we, we finished up, you know, a few weeks before the end of the year. And so then we were doing more stuff that was more acting workshop related stuff. And we pulled out like Kermis and Thisbe and started doing that. Cause I mean, that's an easy thing to, to, uh, you know, um, e- even though it's, you know, uh, outside of its context, it's a, it's a different story, but it just seems like a, it's a nice, silly little overacting piece of fluff. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's entertaining. And, um, but, uh, you know, then obviously college, most of the same things like, like what you said that, you know, we did, um, we did things, uh, you know, I, I also was in, I hate Hamlet, although I was playing the sleazy, uh, um, the guy's sleazy agent on that. But I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I remember there. that. And I think, I think your senior year, I'd already graduated. Didn't you do Rosencrantz and Gilstrand or dead or did, or did a, uh, bits from that? I, I didn't get a chance to do that. But, huh, um, let me think. I don't, uh, I, I know there was something that we did with that, but now I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Well, at any rate, um, so yeah, I hadn't done any of it and, you know, gradually I became more of, I mean, certainly through the stuff I started doing through the SCA and all that, um, I, I became, you know, I, I, I started exploring it more as a, you know, as somebody watching it and enjoying it more and more at that point and picking up more and more things. And I had enough friends that were involved in one way I have, um, uh, a friend of mine who is a dramaturg at um, uh, Santa Cruz Shakespeare and then got her PhD and she's now in LA doing uh, doing things actually she was just a dramaturg for uh, for one of the LA Opera um, productions hmm. that, hi Ariane uh, is <laughs> utterly utterly brilliant um, human being and um, so at any rate um, uh, actually I'll come back to that in a second but um, so my my experience with Shakespeare is mainly through uh, my comedia troupe which uh-huh. is funny. We do, you know, silly um, Italian, body Italian comedies, right? And and uh, and um, half improv, half, you know. I mean, it's it's some of it shtick, and some of it is you have an you have a scenario, and then and then it's whatever you do with the scenario. So you have the outline. The rest of it is up to you. Uh, but and you know, we try and do stuff that's of of the period. And so at some point, we said, why don't we do Shakespeare? And uh, so we did. Um, 
of all things Pericles, which is <laughs> uh, not something that you would figure. But we did it partially because we threw a framing story around it and, and yeah. figured it, it plays like it plays like a Shaggy Dog story or like a, a you know in the SCA everybody has different personas, so it plays like a persona story from hell that somebody made up. That uh, so we we threw in that as like a five minute framing story around uh, it in the beginning and the end and mm -hmm. uh, and the rest of it was. Um, you know, that was that was a lot of a lot of fun, but it was very atypical for, you know. Again, they debate how much of it was actually written by Shakespeare. We're pretty sure most of the brothel scenes were written by Shakespeare because that was the funny bits. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, then we did a couple others. I was I was Feste in, in Twelfth Night, and that was that was one of my favorite theater experiences ever. That was mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and then uh, and then we did um, uh, Murray Wives of, of Windsor. Um, so. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, and then and then um, going back to uh, Sacred Shakespeare. So so, um, my friend had a uh, there was a, a joint venture she was doing between between Santa Cruz Shakespeare and some of the professors at Santa Cruz and some of the students, and uh, and she actually um, asked me if I wanted to be in a couple of productions. So I was I was the old shepherd in in Winter's Tale, and then mm -hmm. the 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 crowning achievement. These were cut down versions. These were about you know an hour or something like that. Hour. Oh wow. 15 but but I got to do I got to play Shylock. Oh yes. And and that was I wish we had a tape of that. Now I'm sure that I would sit there and, and be and see this and be and go oh my god but and <laughs> you know I I got to act aside uh, some pro Shakespeare folks and and I thought it went rather well overall and um, uh, you know that was I, I wish to hell I'd done more I wish I had more um, you know I wish this was something I did from an earlier age. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wish I, I did finally audition for for um, for Silicon Valley Shakespeare right before everything went kablooey. Didn't get in, but I'm hoping um, you know later on um, I'll have an opportunity later on. I, I would mm -hmm. I would love to do it again, um, but uh, um, you know I, I've I've gotten my my whistle wetted as the case. <laughs> I have it in my head that you've done. A lot of Shakespeare plays. Am I right about that? Or no, I've I've only done I've only just done those. Five. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe I'm thinking of Gilbert and Sullivan then. Yeah, well, the G other Shakespeare. GNS, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, GNS. I have done all but one of them, and uh, and five of them I've done twice at this point. Wow. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I GNS. I have a pretty. Which is the one you haven't done? It's like a big uh, Grand Duke, which is the one okay. that hardly anybody ever does, and and mm -hmm. the one time that it was done um, was not uh, around here was not a good time for me, so I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. So yep. uh, that that one, and especially who knows what will survive after the pandemic, and um, and yeah. the one the one GNS that the two of us did together with the uh, Stanford Savoyards, you know, the Savoyards at, are no more as the yep. Savoyards right now. They're they're Stanford Light Opera, and they're doing stuff other than GNS. It's it's you know, a little bit out of vogue now, I suspect. So, uh, yeah, I think um, we were really on the verge at that point of it being okay to do. It's true. I would love to do lamplighters in San Francisco. I, I, um, I have plenty of friends that are, that are in that. I, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be able to do more than chorus as opposed to leads, but I would do that in a, in yeah. a heartbeat. Um, sorry to mean to drag long... us on to another auteur. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, but yeah. <laughs> at, at any rate, um, back to Shakespeare. Um, I have a little more to my Shakespeare story. Yes, um, you do. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I I remembered a part of it that I skipped over, too, which is probably the, the situation where I kind of got most interested in actually doing some Shakespeare, which was uh, all four years in college. I think 
I may have actually gone five years. I may have actually found a way to go um, the year after I graduated. But um, there was a trip from our school to uh, oh, the yes, Stratford right. Festival in Ontario. And, I never um, got to go. Uh, those were some of the best trips ever. Like I thoroughly enjoyed those. And, of course, <laughs> they do a ton of Shakespeare um, so I saw a lot of things there, like Midsummer Night's Dream. I saw Othello. I saw, I think they did a, a Macbeth. Um, you, there you've was never been to Ashland, though, correct? Twelfth Night, I want to say. No, I've never been to Ashland. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, when when this is all over, we are going to Ashland. I've been there. I, I've been there a few times now, and and we need to go. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about it, but it just never was the right time, and maybe now yeah. is is the time. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw a bunch of those and, uh, I think that probably put it in my head that I might want to do it someday. Um, and of course, like I said, I started out doing the Tempest, um, and I had so much fun working with that group, um, that I auditioned for a few more and I ended up playing, um, Don Armato in Love's Labor's Lost and I played, uh, Enobarbus in Antony and Cleopatra. Am I forgetting one? I think that might've been it. I think it was with just that group. three, if I yeah. remember correctly. Um, and then I did a, a whole bunch of, like, goofy, you know, drunken Shakespeare things with um, uh, Shakespeareans, which was also in San Jose, um, which mainly consisted of, you know, uh, reading a cut-down script from the script, uh, so basically a staged reading, and... Uh, having various words that everyone was supposed to drink when they came up. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very, very fun. So that I guess is mostly what I've done Shakespeare wise. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess since then I've watched various other, you know, productions and, uh, I was going to Seattle Shakespeare for a little while. Um, until of course the pandemic hit. Um, I saw a production of the Tempest there, which was really fun. Uh, and one of Richard III, which was terrific. Um, yeah, so I've I've kind of kept that going in my life a little bit as well. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? That's tough. That's very tough. I it mean, is, look, yeah. Um, m- much Ado, I adore Much Ado, but the fact is that, you know, when things get in peril, that, uh, that the whole Don John bit just feels so out of left field and, and mm-hmm. stupid. Um not to mention the fact that, you know, uh, debate as to after they what they put poor um, uh, poor hero through, uh, you know, should she forgive him? Actually, uh, one of the productions in Ashland played it where um, it's clear that she's being pushed into the marriage afterwards. That afterwards that that she's not happy about it. It is not necessarily a happy ending. And I actually thought that was brilliant. But at any rate, um, other favorite Shakespeare's. Um, yeah, I have to. I mean, Twelfth Night is. I, I adore Twelfth Night to death. Um, uh, that that's if you had to destroy every single Shakespeare, or, or say if there was only one I could ever play, I'd probably do that one again and play mm-hmm. uh, every part. I, I would you know, <laughs> um, in a heartbeat. I would play about that. Well, yeah, I'd play Olivia. I I play I play Viola, cross dressing and Cesario cross dressing. Yeah, I mean, I I love I, that show. I've um, auditioned as Malvolio once or twice. I uh, I. If we did it again, I, that's what I would want. That's who I'd want to be. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, something like you know, uh, yeah, I would love to do. I would love to do Hamlet, but it's one of those like, um, you know, what are the ones that that 
people don't necessarily think of that are, are you know, unlooked, unthought-of un gems type of thing that you would uh, they would pull up. Those are sometimes more interesting than the ones that's the big crowd pleaser. Yeah, I can see that. I think my default answer is the Tempest since it was the first one that I did. I would um, love to do that show. And I really, I really do like that one, and I like Midsummer a lot too. Um, not so much because of what happens with them as a play, but because it, it's hard to see a boring version of either of those. Like you, if you go to see one of those shows, someone is going to put some energy into making it a spectacle as well as a dramatic thing, and that I really enjoy seeing. Like all the different takes on it. I think uh, probably those are the the shows that I've seen the shows the plays. Yeah. that I've seen the most varied and interesting uh, stagings of. It's never the same way twice. That's true. Uh, and, and it's you know, I, really fun to I watch. Used to hate, I used to hate Midsummer. I used to feel like it was a little bit of fluff. And I, it I, is I don't feel, a bit, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel better. I, like, I feel there's more myriad takes on it that I find much more interesting right now. There's, uh, I, I love this one version I saw where literally... Um, uh, during during Pyramus and Thisbe, the fact that um, Bottom, he he, I mean, the same way that you have Titania and Hippolyta sometimes being played by the same um, the same actress, right? They they switch the uh, the um, the Greeks and the and the fairies, and they uh, uh -huh. and they play the same. So they did this in this version, and he looks over at the audience as he's supposed to do his big passionate speech, you know, with them all being hacks as it is, and he sees. And he sees Hippolyta, and and because it's the same actress, like he for a split second he thinks it's Titania, who he just had this you know amazing dream with. And for a second, like that, you see it come over his over his face. What it suddenly feels like he's lost, and all of a sudden, where that's usually played for laughs, he played it straight and tour de force. Oh wow! And then and then went back into the Pratt stuff afterwards. Like he couldn't sustain it. It was like a dream that that passes away. And like I'm not doing a good job of of describing it. It was the I had never seen a version of that, and it was brilliant, utterly That's brilliant. That's so cool. And, I love and that. And then and then Foothill College did a version that was set in a schoolyard. And <laughs> and like and like uh, Oberon was the cat in the hat. And, oh my um, god! Like there and and Puck there there were two they were dressed as twins and saying each other's lines. They were thing one and thing two. Oh, that's funny. I the and, last Tempest I saw had four aerials. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, you know what Python skit I'm thinking of at this point. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Uh, no, tell me. I want a painting with kangaroos <laughs> and one Christ. Oh, yes. One. What in the world possessed you to paint three Christ in it? It works, mate. No, it doesn't. It does. The fat one balances the two skinny ones. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was thinking a few other uh, Python skits, whereas most people have uh, well, two. Right. Uh, you, as it were, have, <laughs> oh, i got three cheeks. Oh, um, see, that wasn't even the one I thought you were going to mention. I thought you were going to mention uh, a horse. <laughs> a horse. <laughs> either that or... <laughs> um, Either that or the, the Hamlet bit that gets interrupted with, okay, so you've got the girl on the bed, her legs up on the <laughs> mantelpiece. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I will say one other st uh, thing on the topic of favorite Shakespeare, though. Um, I have to say, like, every time I see or read Macbeth, I'm struck by the language so much. I mean, you know, that's oh. not an unusual thing with Shakespeare, but that one is so stunning. I don't know what it is. There's something about it that just stands out even among all of his other stuff. It's amazing. You know? I, I forgot. If you're going to count opera, then I have done Macbeth. 
Oh, that, that was that was you know a month before we had shut down. I did I did uh, Verdi's Macbeth with mm-hmm. uh, with West Bay Opera, um, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. And most of the play is intact on that. There's no porter. And oh, I, wow. I said, you know, I, I said if I can ever start writing, and I've I've been trying to do more composition. If I could ever write and do like a Verdi pastiche, I would try and put in a bit where. Uh, where the, the porter comes in. And the other thing that upsets me is that, you know, that um, Lady M has the, the sleepwalking scene and it's gorgeous, gorgeous music for that. Um, and uh, and soliloquy that Macbeth has for, uh, is this a dagger I see before me? Done brilliantly. But, you know, the one speech that gets completely truncated to just a little recitative before you get to, to, to the main song? Oh, no. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. You're kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, that's, that, that incenses me to death. And... And he was, they were going for the pace. Yeah, I mean, th- there's other stuff. Uh, Duncan doesn't actually get to speak in it. Um, he's he's basically a, a supernumerary, I guess, for the lack of a better word, um, before he gets uh, killed off. But, like, otherwise, it's pretty close to intact. Interesting. Um, uh, I mean, that speech, and, to me, I like... Yeah, that's It one of is my sort of the reason I want to do that role someday. Um, well, you know, it's funny. We didn't mention Slings and Arrows, but it was uh, bringing up... Um, <laughs> Bringing up Stratford, I was thinking about that. Um, it, for anyone not in the know, that uh, um, there is a, a Canadian uh, TV show that ran for three seasons called, six episodes each, called Slings and Arrows, and is about the goings on on stage and off stage and how they uh, mirror each other, at least for a little while, of a uh, Canadian Shakespeare festival. And most of the people that acted and performed in it and wrote in it acted, performed, and wrote at Stratford. So they were pulling for some very real experiences, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I, it's one of those shows that I revisit once a year. Uh, and uh, it's it's that brilliant a show. Um, yeah. Uh, um, and so, anyway, at any rate, one, <laughs> the, the, the bit where they do... The, there's two bits where they reconstruct certain scenes, and one of them is, is him uh, deconstructing uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And that blows me away at least as much as the speech itself. I should go back and watch that. Yeah. Um, it's, I'll say one other quick thing about Stratford, by the way, which is <laughs> when I was a kid, we did not travel very much and we definitely did not travel out of the country. Um, that was just not a thing our family did. So Canada was the most foreign country I had ever been to. <laughs> Until after same, I graduated college. Seriously? Same for me. Yeah. Like, I remember going up there and being like, oh, the money is different. And look, these crunchy bars. This is the only place you can get them. And, you know, it's just like. My dad, my uh, dad would not go to London. He would not go to London because he figured that uh, people speak differently there. He wouldn't be able to understand understand <laughs> anybody. He'd get lost and get mugged. Like, extreme, extreme fear on that sort of stuff. So we would never go anywhere. Well, that definitely happened to me when I was there. I got mugged pretty much every day. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> nope. Uh, Whereas I mug for the camera. Oh anyway. my god! I'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> well, we've been going on for a while. I think we kind of covered our Shakespeare story. Suffice to say that it has played some significant role in our lives, and that may be for me at least. That's one of the reasons that I like the season a lot, other than the fact that it's awesome. Uh. So we're gonna watch an episode today. I have not even looked at the title. I think you said it was the money title last is time. Money. That's okay, correct. it's money. So as always, what's gonna happen is um, we're gonna start the episode and we're gonna pause it at the point uh, in the credits where it says uh, 
Rowan Atkinson as. And that way you can be sure that you're lined up with us. And I'm just pulling it up now. I am all ready when you are. Okay, I'm going to hit play episode. And I'm going to pause it at Rowan Atkinson as, which actually, now that I look at it, is on the screen for several seconds. But it's you can true. figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hold on. Uh, what's happening now? Let's see. Play and pause. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm set. Okay. So we are going to count down from three. And uh, after I say one, I will say play. We'll all hit play. And we'll watch this delightful episode that I have no memory of. Are we ready? Yes. All right. Three, two, one, play. Such a jolly theme. Hmm. I love the little squeak. <laughs> I didn't know snakes could squeak. That's the floor. Oh. Uh, I do love the period appropriate guitar. <laughs> I think that snake was uh, getting that ready to molt. Hmm. I don't think I need to see this. Or I shall taunt you a second time. Wow, look at how flexible he is that his feet are all the way up there. I don't know why she thinks he has any money. Hey, everybody has a type. I guess so. odds
I feel like he could use a, a cheeseburger. Filthy rich in cat flap.
left over from the previous episode, clearly. <laughs> Edmund. <laughs> Let the queenie win. <laughs> or she'll pull your arms off. I hate when that happens. <laughs> uh, relevant He's really good in this episode. Percy? Yeah. Yeah. They gave him some pseudo-Shakespearean uh, talk in this, too. He does really good with those, like, dis those ingenuous 
mm-hmm. stares into the distance. Oh no. I mean, he's already been a bridesmaid. He's kissed Percy. This may sound like a stupid question. (laughs) It's too bad Tom Baker's not around anymore. (laughs) They could rent him out. Get it here. <laughs> oh, Baldrick. This is the first time we see his head uncovered. Man, I don't know. Don't kill the messenger. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love the fact you can feel the tension in the room. You know this know. is coming. <laughs> I've often said that. <laughs> Nibble. His delivery, just mm -hmm. nibble and green.
<laughs> you know, especially in the term, times of a pandemic, it's better right. to do things outside, right? I love that he's wearing <laughs> the green brooch. Oh, yeah. God. Did you leave your purse at home? You get to pay a thousand. Should he really be sitting in her chair? Flashed by nature. <laughs> Bye. Oh, they are such jerks. Yeah, this episode, they're incredibly mean. <laughs> it's like the Iron Bank of Bravos.
Can he actually remember all of them? That's a lot of things. Beard face. It's not face. For you to tell us who croaked Lester. <laughs> Another callback to Mrs. Miggins. Yes. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> that. Oh my god. So I did not recognize the person you were talking about, so let's find out who it is. Well, here's the here's the thing. Like, if I can kind of hear it in the voice if you if he makes his voice a little higher pitched and gives himself a German accent, but the face is the character that he's most associated with is uh, is thin, small, you know. Whereas he's obviously he he looks very um, filled out in this. Um, so he was played by uh, Ronald Lacey, who is mostly uh, known, at least uh, would be most recognized as uh, Tote, the uh, uh, the oh. German in, um, in Raiders, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark. Yeah, yeah the, the one who ends up having the uh, bit of the staff of Rob burnt into his hand. Yes, okay, I see it now. How funny, I, I haven't I, seen that movie in forever. Again, kind of, and that was only, you know, that was like 81, so you're only mm -hmm. a few years off in this case. Like, I mean, I don't know if they just put him in a fat suit and gave him lots of facial stuff, too, because facially he looks nothing even close, but you can kind of hear it in the voice a little a little bit. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, in how interesting. I never would have guessed it if I, hadn't, uh, if I hadn't looked that up. I mean, definitely there was a lot of makeup involved, but who knows how yeah. much prosthetics... Um, yeah, I uh, so I have to ask, how much of this episode came back or did any of it while you were watching it? Zero. Wow. I did not remember a single thing about this episode. Wow. Nothing. I mean, you know, oddly enough, the uh, probably the uh, the bit that um, folks here end up quoting is uh, is the Edmund, can it be true that what I have here is he said the purest green. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody quote that. There were interesting that, that there were two lines. Plot. There were two lines in this that I did recognize, and I think they may even have been quoted in that documentary or whatever. One of the is, one of them is the Mister Brain has left the building line, mm -hmm. and the other one. Let me see if I can remember what it was. Um, oh yeah, it's it's spontaneous and it's called wit. Mm -hmm. Those are the two I remember, which are brilliant lines. They're great, um, but nothing oh, yeah. else of this. Uh, felt like something I had seen before. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I remember on this one, as we commented on, is just how cruel some of the other ones are in this one. You know, there's some there's some episodes where, I mean, we've talked about it with AbFab, where sometimes they, they go over the line of cruelty in ways that are uncomfortable, and they're not quite over the line on this one, but it it hurts a bit more. Like, I mean, you know, the first Blackadder, uh, the first Edmund was more of a weasel or whatever. It's hard to imagine feeling... I don't know. He, it, it, you would have reacted a totally different way if. I mean, I guess the equivalent on that on this is the second episode where he has his lands taken away from him and and given to the uh, the Scotsman. But you know, mm -hmm. totally different dynamic. Um, it is, yeah. I mean, and, he he has contempt for Percy and Baldrick to some degree in the first series, but he, um, in some ways, is more equals with them in terms of like his force mm -hmm. of personality and and his like non wimpiness or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you're right in this one, he's just basically beating up on these two constantly. I, mean, I love the fact that, you know, where it's going each time that happens and the rule of three and all that. But, uh, 
Um, and you, you can feel the tension in the room. You can feel it. You're like, okay, the shoe is going to drop. And also you feel <laughs> like he should be smart enough or smart enough and leave his bag of money at home for God's sake. Right, days. yes. Well, I uh, guess he's afraid someone's going to steal it there. That's possible, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, And the fact that the last scene goes on, you know, okay, fine, they crack up after he leaves. But it goes on afterwards. And, and you know, you can sit there and thinking, okay, what are they going to do now? And the fact that she, she quickly turns it on Melchit and then, okay, that's just a little joke. And, like, there's bits of it that we've talked about Twelfth Night. You know, the fact that mm-hmm. all the cruel stuff that uh, Sir Toby and Andrew end up playing uh, that uh, they do for laughs, and they kind of take it too far, and Toby kind of turns on Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's uh, you know, that, that practical joking past a certain point, or, you know, at some point it just gets nasty. Well, we can talk about how nasty it got to Malvolio and whether he deserves it or not, obviously. Uh, but... Uh, um, that that always comes to mind when watching this episode. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, since I haven't watched this in forever, I didn't remember that they all were jokes and I probably should have. <laughs> but I mean, the form of the joke is inconveniencing Edmund and the result of the joke is inconveniencing Edmund. Like, it's all, you know, the, the ruse and the revelation are both like abuse of him. So, well, and it's partially self imposed because of the fact that you know because you're so fabulously wealthy all he you know could he possibly admit that in fact he is not all that wealthy and he's been like sure he admits it to baldrick or whatever but he's he's not going to admit it and lose face even right even even at the point where to lose face he's going to die for it right um mm-hmm. i mean that that's that's you know that's an interesting point to the entire thing he definitely has uh he definitely has, what was I going to say? <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Brain has left the building. Uh, well, I'll say the other thing I was going to say, is that the point where he has the idea uh, about what he's going to do to the bishop? Um, I, that, that doesn't happen until after he's back, right? Yeah, I, that's I, right. Because he kind of like jumps up. And he's like, now I got a yeah, plan. It's yeah. because of the fact that he finds out that he's called privy breath, right? I mean, it's the, mm-hmm. it, it's the, all right, fuck, uh, Excuse me. I'm sure there may be kids listening to this. So uh, f you. I'll live. I'm gonna live. Um, I'm gonna win. So that kind of spurs yep. them on. So yeah. Um, I, I do oh, I, re- the dis- the I remember now what it was. Let me tell you real yes. quick before I forget. Um, yeah, go ahead. Which is that it's partly about losing face and face in court, but I think it's also like keeping the favor of the queen because if he's not rich, mm-hmm. she probably has no interest in him whatsoever. It's true. Again on point of death though, is the question, you know I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, it's it true. Is it the, well, gee, if I think I'm going to, if he has enough, that's fine. But if he doesn't, is he thinking, you know, I'm going to die anyway, I may as well at least keep my pride. I, I don't know. I don't think he's thinking that far. Yeah. Or it's, he's it's, confident that he will come up with something on the way back, which he eventually doesn't. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think he is. I, I think it is sure. It is purely a point of pride and that's, and he doesn't think any further than, than that um that that's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that he keeps above everything else that's one thing I, I think you find his pride um is more important to him than any of the other black adders in the uh in the series actually um, good point yeah so uh I, I you know while we were talking about uh shakespeare plays i forgot that uh um we'll wait till we get to season three but season three um season three uh does um touch on macbeth Mm-hmm. Uh, in one episode, and uh, I just wanted to call that out. We'll get to that eventually, uh, but just dawned on me. I do um, remember that bit. 
And there's one other thing I forgot, I wanted to mention, and this is something I forgot to mention in uh, in Bell's, which is that um, uh, Percy at one point says to Bob, uh, "Well, you know, Bob, you little royster doister, you." And <laughs> we figured we always figured that was just a little term. Uh, there is a play called Ralph Royster Doister by I think it's Nicholas Udall, who is a I guess was a contemporary of Shakespeare, but was like if you took. Um, you know, I guess the equivalent of um, the Shakespeare equivalent of Tommy Wiseau. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, oh my god! Uh, like, uh, it just uh, you know, it is written as if it's supposed to be written Shakespeareous, but is completely bad up the other side. It is um, <laughs> uh, the Comedia troupe performed it one year specifically because of the fact that they heard them reference in Bells, and they said, and, and they looked it up and said, "Oh my god, that's a real play." Uh, this is before I joined the troupe, and they put it on, and it was bar none the worst play that they've ever done so that that is the play that whose name may not be spoken in their presence it is simply referred to as the english play as oh a result my god i uh, struck I her not that. ah greetings marcus nice the shakespearean nice. room yes yeah <laughs> ye roomy <laughs> dog <laughs> dogberry oh my god Oh, hi, Dogberry. Oh, God, that movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody hearing this doesn't know what we're talking about. But if you uh, are a connoisseur of bad movies and you haven't heard of The Room, oh, Tommy God, Wiseau's no, magnum opus, uh, run, don't walk, um, and then watch The Disaster Artist afterwards. But probably this is not news to anyone that uh, experience of cinema is is now hopefully ubiquitous. I think so. So that brings us, I guess, to the end of this episode about money. Uh, I, did we did we say what we thought of this? I guess we I didn't. I don't think we. I don't think we did. No. So what did you think of it? I I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as either any of the previous three, but uh, it was fun, and not least because I was uh, watching it for what felt like the first time. Uh, like so the it was. First time. It was sorry good but it is currently probably at the bottom of my list and you know as with all of these uh the bottom one is not bad it just is at the bottom what did you think of not it? if you're on the, not if you're on the bottom um <laughs> i th- this is uh yeah between this and head usually there's i i will typically put the other four on one tier and this on the on the second tier and it's always a question to me of which do i put i i would actually put this one above Head and it may hmm. just be because of the fact that I viewed this more recently, and if I went back and viewed Head, I would say it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, that there, there were, you know, uh, there were a lot more bits. The the only bit that I didn't feel like I laughed out loud as much is during the the bit at the docks. The rest of it, um, the, the rest <laughs> of it, the, the whole the whole, you know, I mean, again, them bilking him out of his money every single time. The um, uh, the whole green section, um, I love. Uh, uh, even the opening, I've forgotten uh, most of the bits in the uh, in the opening. Um, and uh, there's one other bit that I was going to mention. That, um, but yeah, there there were there were more funny bits to this than I uh, than I typically give it credit for. So um, mm. uh, I, I I like this one more than I remembered. Uh, but still, uh, it doesn't hold a candle to either. Well, no, that's not fair. Um, it, it is still high up there. I feel like in it in 
you know, I would still put this above actually most of the other seasons. It's that good, but um, it's tough because the other ones are so phenomenal. Hmm. Interesting. So I probably I probably put this a second from the bottom right now. Okay. Um, I was going to say about that opening. Uh, <laughs> we discover exactly how many favors that costume does him. He, he is quite a, a small man without those shoulder pads and things. Hmm. It's not an insult, just a description. Um, but it's the beard. You always <laughs> love the beards. I guess, and the money. Hmm. Um, well, that's it then for money. Uh, we will be watching, of course, episode five next time. And I think that really is all she wrote. So until next time, this has been Drew. Until next time, this has been Jeff. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this right this time. Uh, I'm going to say Starship. Mm -hmm. You're going to say podcast and without pausing, go directly into Warlock. And I will follow you. Let's see if this works. Okay, this has been Starship Podcast Warlock. I don't know. That sounded like it might have worked. It didn't sound that way to me, but that's what editing is for. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.